Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight, listening to the wind blow. Ah, yes, it is a... Blowing like crazy. It is a windy, windy morning in uh, the Boston, Massachusetts area. My granddaughter was scheduled to fly from Texas to Boston today. And because of the weather, she moved her trip a day early. So she flew... uh, My girl. She had a long flight. She flew from, like near Brownsville, Texas, up to Minneapolis, and then from Minneapolis to Boston. So uh, she's going to be tired today. She's going to be a very tired lady. Well, you know what? I don't know about you, but it just seems like this go-around of the spring forward thing, Mm -hmm. maybe it's the news cycle, maybe it's the weather, maybe it's everything, but it just seems like you can't get your stupid mental clock to reset. Well, I I think you hit it. Right on the head uh, with your first, uh, you know, answer. You said maybe the news cycle. Yeah, I think well, we it's... are inundated with so much breaking news that it's just almost, uh, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming yeah. for the average guy. To, I mean, I'm looking at some of the audio clips we have, and they're not old. Some of them I've had for two or three days, and I, I do mm-hmm. want to play them, but, but technically they're a little old in the news cycle. You know, but you know what's going on with 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 um, people and how they're feeling about things. It's not just you and me, you know, and the adults that pay attention to the news, mm-hmm. you know. But it's affecting kids too because oh yeah, they they they're picking up off of us. Like you know, I'm I'm you know I'm up visiting Ann up in uh, Boston and. Uh, you know, her 11-year-old son, Drake, you know, he gets up to go to school and, you know, he's got that lethargic thing that we got going on and he doesn't care. Well, well, he hears me ranting about the he news lives, and he, he lives and mimics it. But, he, but lives, you know. he lives in the same world we live in. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I found out about children, having had a couple myself and... You've had being, kids. Yeah, and had grandkids, uh, is that even at young ages, they listen. They're like sponges. They know what's yeah. going on. If they're sitting in the car and they're quiet and you're talking to your wife about something political, they're not sitting in, in bl- they're not blank. They're like sponges. They pick it up. And uh, Well, they know we're worried. Yes. So they're worried because yes. we affect the world that they live in. They depend on us. Yep. I don't know. This is just kind of a psychological lesson there, but I'm just saying we've got to get our act together as a country because... There's too many just weird, stupid things well, going on. You know, I'm speaking to kids. I got I, If you have a a child uh, going to Stanford University Law School, uh, you might want to pull them. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know whether you heard this or not, but uh, a couple of nights ago, a uh, a, a judge uh, named Duncan. He's a uh, Trump appointee. He was invited to speak in front of a group. Uh, at Stanford University, a law group. These were all law students and their advisor. He didn't get two words out, and they started to heckle him. They started to be, berate him and belittle him. And at one point he said, hey, look, at you invited me here to talk, and I haven't had a chance to say a word. They continued. Then he said, can I have an advisor come up here? The advisor comes up. She's more woke than the kids. She starts saying things like, well, you brought this on yourself, and I happen to think that what these people are doing is right. She's talking about the demonstrators. 
the judge is standing there, and this is a young guy who's really done a lot with his life. This he's a, I think he's a circuit court judge, and uh, a federal circuit court judge. And uh, what he was finally escorted from the campus by federal marshals. It was that um, disruptive and annoying. Here's the problem. But wait a second. Yesterday, Stanford University issued an apology for the equity and diversity dean. That was the person who was, that was her title, by the way, the advisor. She's the equity and diversity dean. I blame this on Stanford to give somebody. Oh, it's the school's fault. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? what they're promoting is division. That has been the number one goal of the Democrats, you know, for years. Divide, divide, divide so they can yeah. conquer. We don't want to hear your truth. No. Nope. We don't care if the truth is the truth. You know, there you was know, a time. Shut Bill, up and you do what we tell you to do. There was a time when people would, with opposing points of view, could sit down and have a cup of coffee and debate. And then at the end of the coffee, shake hands and have a good day. I saw that in my lifetime. I used to see it at uh, family get-togethers because my family was a big family and not everybody agreed about everything politically, but they could talk about it and then they could laugh and go on to other subjects. It doesn't happen anymore. Now, if no. you are a, a Trump supporter, if you are a conservative, uh, you are ostracized, you are vilified. Uh, it, it is not a good environment right now. And I blame it, like you said, Bill, I blame it on the Democrats and the left. The left have fostered this environment, not the right. Oh, it's you look at what's going on with the banking crash, and and there are more crashes on the way. By yeah. the way, oh, and, oh, you're, and, you're yeah, right. and they're they're only giving Joe one crash credit, <laughs> you know, for 2023. Lion yeah. bastards, because I'll tell you what, there have been three, maybe four so far, and there are more on the way. Mm -hmm. And his, yes. Joe Biden, you have the honor of having the biggest crash. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's a, a uh, uh, he's a phony, folks. The guy is a phony. He he pretends that uh, nothing to worry about here. Just keep moving along. Everything's going to take be taken care of. He said yesterday uh, in his speech, "Don't worry about it. Uh, we're going to cover not just the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that we guarantee. We're going to guarantee." everybody's entire deposit meaning if you so, had 10 billion if you had 10 million dollars in the S, uh, silicon valley bank you got the 10 you're going to get the 10 million dollars back or the 10 billion or whatever the heck you got in that bank it'll be covered in full by who by us Books. Well, but he says taxpayers won't pay a dime yeah i, I know that <laughs> but, and, what a but joke. here's the other thing that he's done and they don't want to admit it, but when he opened his big, fat, stupid, lying mouth and said, we're going to make everybody whole, mm -hmm. he's doing it for the Silicon Valley Bank, all right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say uh, PNC, you know, bites a big one, because what this bank did to cover its future debts is they buy questionable bonds. Well, mm -hmm. that's, how they, that's how the banking system works, and... So it could happen to any bank, and I'll explain that in a second. But the the simple fact is, what's good for one bank is good for them all. Oh, absolutely! It, they're they're setting a precedence right now. 
Right. This is it. If if every another bank fails next week, listen. Yesterday, trading was halted on thirty banks as the market opened yesterday. Thirty banks stopped trading because they are in some kind of a financial jeopardy. And well, uh, you know, Bill, I, I got a. Uh, there are several banks. Western Alliance Bank Corp. Uh, plummeted seventy eight point two percent on the open yesterday. First Republic Bank minus seventy seven point eight two percent. It it uh, let's see, it's a whole bunch, a whole list. Comerica, uh, Pac West Bank Corp. These are all banks on a list of at least thirty that halted trading because because there's a domino effect here. What happened with Signature and uh, S- Silicon Valley? It it has a ripple effect down the line. But you know, Bill, these guys at the Fed, either they don't pay attention, they don't care, but somebody wasn't watching what was going on. They had an obligation to watch what was going on. As a matter of fact, the uh, I think it was the FDIC, one of the, was it the Reserve said they're going to, the Federal Reserve Board on Monday announced the, the uh, uh, let's see, announced that Vice Chair for Supervision Michael Barr is leading a review of the supervision and regulation of Silicon Valley Bank in light of its failure. That's like watching the barn after the horse has left. You know? Yeah, you know, that's all they know how to do. Well, we're going to do a committee to take a look at this and study this, but they never do anything about it. And right. you know what? You would think that history is your best teacher out there, but apparently it's not. Now, you know, uh, speaking of which, Elizabeth Warren, you just need to shut your big fat mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. You you sure know how to tell people how to spend their money. Let's talk about your money, Lizzie. Well, can I tell you how to spend your money? But she's blaming this on Trump. Uh-huh. She's saying because he changed the banking regulation back in 2018, and that caused this big, phenomenal crash. Well, you know what? Let's go over 23 years of crashes that I sat there and went through. 23 years under each president, going back to 2001. And you know what? You know, now Joe had the biggest one, Mm -hmm. but Obama had a... Boatload of them. Yeah. <laughs> Bush had a boatload of them because of the banking and the real estate thing. So, in other words, you know, you want to blame this on one stinking re- regulation oh, that, oh, you shouldn't change this. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something here. The banking industry and the way that it works and the model that they follow, follow mm-hmm. sucks. I mean, do you I, I'm expect, not talking. Do you expect anything anything more from Elizabeth Warren? I, I, It doesn't surprise me she... Is blaming Trump. I mean, if she couldn't find a parking space of the Capitol, she would blame Trump. Trump's fault. Yeah, yeah. She she is she is such a political animal, and what she says should be taken with a grain of salt. First of all, the economy was never stronger than it has been under the four years of Trump. And when you think of what Trump was going through in those four years, to think that he had a healthy economy until the pandemic hit. And, and that pandemic was, a, I think it was a weapon of war because it, it, it really and truly devastated our country, changed the entire landscape of the world. But put that aside, up until the pandemic, we had things 
cooking on all eight cylinders. We were doing such a great job with our economy. Goodness knows where we would have been had there not been a pandemic. And had, mm-hmm. and had Trump not had the uh, the far left all over him with impeachments and allegations and all this crap. I mean, we truly uh, should be looking again to the left, not to Trump. Trump was the guy who gave us a healthy economy, low interest rates. I mean, my house was never more valuable than it was under Trump. And I can guarantee you right now the same house with no changes is probably 20% less value right now thanks to Joe Robinette Biden. Yeah. Look, Joe, it's his policies. And, you know, getting back to the Elizabeth Warren thing, let's blame Trump on uh, that one banking regulation thing, which, by the way, you know, you can't count the first, you know, when the guy was inaugurated saying, well, you know, that year, because he's he's carried, he's he's inheriting the policies. But, uh, you know, so let's say when he came in in uh, 2017, uh, he had, uh, well, what was it here? He had something like there were eight bank closures, mm-hmm. uh, closings. That came from the Biden administration and the Obama administration. The very following year, no bank failures. Now, 2018, there were four. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I mean, look at 2013 when there were 24, 2012 when there were 51, 2011 when there were 92, 2010 when there were 157. So this bank closing thing, this is not something that's new. This has been going on for a long time. This is year after year after year year. after year of failed policies. And Trump got it right. And he had two years of his four-year term that had zilch, zero. Joe Biden had. <laughs> okay, so He's only getting credit for one, but it's it's a doozy. It's the doozy. It's the good. It's he he laid the golden egg. So where do we go from here with the uh, with the banks? I mean, what we've done is what they've done. What the administration has done is they have changed the ground rules. It's like. It's like the game is is in mid in mid game, fifth inning, and all of a sudden they say, "Wait, wait a second, we're going to give you four outs instead of three, and nobody is going to lose the game, okay? Because we want everybody to leave here happy." What they've done is they they're, they're going to definitely uh, change the landscape with their new rules. Every time a bank fails, now they're going to say, "Well, look what you did to Signature. Look what you did to Savings Bank, uh, uh, the uh, Silicon Valley Bank." Mm-hmm. Go well, ahead, Bill. Yeah, they're, they're going to do that. But anytime a Democrat makes a rule, what is the end result of that? It, you want, you're asking me what the is end it result power? is? It control? That's what their aim is, yes. They, to, yeah, it, okay, that's, it, that's it's my actually, point. It's to wrest more power, to control more of every situation that they're involved in, every situation. So and and, and Democrats to put, are up and to put Republicans down and to yeah. put devil, control it and push the Republican the opposition down. So if you're an opportunistic uh, party, mm-hmm. then this banking thing is just very opportunistic, and they're going to take advantage of it, and uh, they see it as a way to seize and control power. Unfortunately, there are so many things that are crashing 
Mm-hmm. You know, this. Well, let, let's look at the, for a second. Just take a second to talk about the Federal Reserve Bank. I know that's an exciting topic. I can see people glazing over right now. The Federal what? The Federal Reserve Bank. It was formed at the turn of the uh, the twentieth century, about nineteen ten or so, and it was mm-hmm. it, it's a private corporation. That's right. To this day, it is a private corporation which has been awarded power from the Congress, but still, it's private. It was started by major families, the wealthiest family. At the time, these people who started the bank, they had one quarter of the wealth of the world. I'm talking about the Rockefellers, the uh, uh, J.P. Morgans, uh, Mm -hmm. Rothschilds. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing people. They met on an island off the coast of Georgia about 1910. I think it's called Jekyll Island. Even the name of the island sounds sinister. Jekyll Island. And they mm-hmm. met for one purpose, and that was to set up regulations of what the banks that they owned they wanted to control, they wanted to set up this organization called the Federal Reserve, which would control their banks so they wouldn't have some outsiders starting something up and that would have a deleterious you know, uh, effect on what they own. They wanted to be able to make the rules on their money Absolute. that they, they fleeced from us. Absolutely. So that we would have no say over anything that we have in their bank. So and when, when they, times got tough for think them, of they how could sm- just run away with it. Think of how smart they were. They called it the Federal Reserve. I mean, people think, most people in this country say, well, uh, it's in Washington. It's called the Federal Reserve. It ha- controls our money. It has to be owned by the government. No, it's not owned by the government. It's private. It's controlled by the wealthy elite in our country to this mm-hmm. day. And these are the guys who are essentially saying what's going to happen to these banks that are folding. You know, I I heard this morning that some of the investors in Silicon Valley Bank, some of the biggest investors, guess what? They're Chinese. Mm -hmm. You know, and and with what's going on with this and the bailout was so quick. I should correct that. When I say Chinese, I don't mean Ethnic American Chinese. That I would I know ne- that, that's they are from the country of China. They yeah. are part of the Chinese Communist Party. That's what I meant. Now, didn't we just, you know, six months ago determine that China, you know, they, they were in trouble financially. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's weird how they're in trouble financially. And yet they control a lot of the money that we have. Or there is in it's in the Federal Reserve. Someone said that China had, I think they said ten billion dollars in Silicon Valley Bank, China. Yeah, and look, you know this this little this little crash. Mm-hmm. You know, and Joe is so quick. We're going to make you whole. We're going to make everybody whole. Yeah, don't worry that about it. That means that this was this is a big payout to the rich. Mm-hmm. This is a cash grab. This is what I was talking about a few weeks ago. There there is infinite wealth apparently that's going on, but. You know, when the money is falling from the sky, it doesn't seem to fall in my basket. Has it fallen in yours? <laughs> no, I was I was thinking about, you know, when I heard that they're going to make everybody whole and everybody's going to be happy at Silicon Valley Bank. I was thinking, you know, if it were Bill, if it were me, 
if it was our account and Bill, let's say Bill had half a million dollars in the bank, he'd only get $250,000 back, guaranteed. It wouldn't well, be a penny more. But you get these guys. They have a video out now. I, I haven't got it. I, I'd play it for you. Uh, uh, these, these are bank executives, I think, from Silicon Valley Bank. They put together this like uh, musical parody video with the chief executives of the bank uh, singing about their bank, and it can never go under, never go. I mean, it. They they were so out of touch with reality. These guys. They must have been having a heck of a time. You know what I'm saying? They must have mm-hmm. figured. They must have been making a ton of money and figured, hey, life is great. Let's let's do a video. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Instead of figuring out. Okay, uh, how are, how's the uh, bottom line look this week? You know, no, they're out they're out making musical videos, and uh, uh, I wish I if I can find it, I'll play it in the next couple of days. Yeah, well, while the band played mm-hmm. and played on, the Titanic sang. It sure did. It sure did. Um, where does this go? Uh, goodness knows. This L in a handbasket. I remind everybody listening to look at what has happened to our country in the past two and a half years, okay? I mean, this administration has not done one thing good for our country. If you think that saving these banks is good for our country, I would advise you to think again because it's a precedent that has been set. It's going to be, there will be no more failures anymore. So you're going to have banks with uh, taking crazier risks, knowing that if things don't work out, hey, that we'll, we're covered, you know? If we fail, so what? I mean, do you know that all the guys, I think at Silicon Valley Bank, got their bonuses last year? Or, of course I mean, they did. They got their end-of-year bonuses. The, the bank was hurtling towards failure, and these guys got big checks. Oh, good job, Sam. Hey, we're, we're going to hit the wall real hard this year. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, but it's not going to be us that pays when we hit the wall because right. we got our bonuses. Uh, yeah, it, 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 there's an interesting thing that, you know, the stocks mm-hmm. kind of was so, so yesterday. And, you know, this this has a lot to do with cryptocurrency, too, you know, with what, what happened. So you would think as the stock market adjusts to everything, you know, you're not going to see any action on the crypto front. It was up big, big time. They want us to go towards digital currency. That's where they want to take us. And someone Absolute said, "Absolutely control. They can take. They can take it all without a blink of an eye." Someone said they want us to get there, and one of their methods of getting us to cryptocurrency and digital currency is having a, a bank failure or bank failures. And I, you got to wonder whether something like what just happened well, might have been intentional to point is in that uh, digital currency direction. Um, you know, I'm looking at the number of failures that we've had in just the past 22 years, and you go, know, us well, over 22 years. Well, you know, I would have never really dreamed in a lifetime that you would have a failure, you know, maybe one or two, and that's about it. I mean, car dealerships, they come and go, but you know, for the most part, they stay around. Well, they can stay around. Why can't banks? But apparently, you know, as I sit here, I'm not going to do a quick tally of the numbers, but I'm going to say that there's at least uh, at least uh, maybe 500 right here that I'm looking at right now. Mm-hmm. 500 banks that have failed 
in over 500 banks in 22 years? That's a hell of a lot. I forgot which country has implemented this, but there is a country that just implemented digital currency. Um, and apparently one of the big invest one of the big uh, investors in that country had like 10 billion dollars in the bank. You know, let's let's make it conservative. 10 million dollars in the bank. And he went to take out more than $25,000. I think it was England. I think it's been done in England. He went to yeah. take out more than uh $25,000 and they said no, you can only take out $25,000 under this new system. So here's a businessman who has 10 million or 10 billion, whatever, the B's, the M's, they get confusing. Um, he has all this money in the bank, and they're limiting the, the amount of money he with, can withdraw. And that is where digital will take us. If you have in your account $100,000 and you need, I don't know, $20,000 cash, they may say, no, you can't take it out right now. They will control yeah. your your assets, your your uh, your resources. They'll control yeah, you. And 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 what is digital? It is a it's a number on a ledger sheet, a, a digital ledger sheet, and right. that's it. So in other words, you got nothing in the bank to begin with. For example, you go to a bank now, right yeah. now, and you take out ten thousand five dollars. And you're reporting to the IRS. You know that. And they want to know what you're doing with the money. That's right. If you take out $9,995, supposedly no big deal. But you, you take out over $10,000 and you're reported instantly <laughs> to the IRS. That's how quickly. Well, well, what do they care what I do with my money? If I have a million dollars in the account and I want to take out all but uh, I want to take out all but $5 because... It's a it's a savings and loan, and I have to have a five dollars share. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to explain what I'm doing with my money. Absolutely agree and, with you. And if they sit there and go, okay, okay, we'll, we'll get your money. Uh, okay, uh, can I expect that now? Oh no 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 no. We got to order it up. There's going to be a lot from? of people who are going to have uh, the IRS questioning what they're doing because a lot of people have gone to the bank because of uh, Silicon Valley and Signature, and they're withdrawing large sums of money to spread it around to other banks. You know, they're taking out, if they had like a million dollars in a bank, they've gone to the bank and they've said, look, give me give me uh, $750,000 cash. I want to spread it around. Well, now that brings up an interesting question. You know, because maybe uh, this is a future grab. So I take... I just did a job for it, and I got $15,000 cash. Mm -hmm. And I go walking into the bank, and yeah, I'd like to put this into my account. Oh, okay. Well, they look at that, that cash, and it could that, that $15,000 could be repayment of money that was borrowed from me. But either way, I put it in the bank. Mm -hmm. IRS is going, oh, that's newfound money. Yeah, where'd that come from? Yeah, where'd it come from? Well, you know, there is a tax on that. Wait, I paid taxes on that. I just, I loaned a friend some money. Kind of like the trouble. Hey. You know, my dad gave me an easy loan of $1 million, simple loan. I started my business. Well, you know, and that's where, you know, Democrats hey. made fun of that. But point is. What happens when, uh, let's say a guy has a decent amount of resources. So he's got a couple million dollars. 
his kids going to college. So instead of taking out a loan for college, the guy's got the financial resources to pay the year off. Nowadays, college is what, $50,000 on average? Mm-hmm. $50,000. He goes to the bank, he takes out fifty grand, and he pays for yeah. his college, uh, his kid's education. Well, there's $50,000. You don't think he's going to be questioned? What did you do with fifty grand? You took out $50,000 cash. Oh, I paid for my kid's education. Okay, can you prove that? Yeah. All of a sudden... Well, you, why didn't you just take out a loan? Well, yeah, it's cheaper exa- to use my own money. Exactly. I don't have to pay any interest rate on my money. Yeah, you do. Uh, look, they get you coming, and they get you going, and they'll get you sideways, too. Uh, when you put your money in a bank, it's really no longer your money. Yeah. You know, you might have... You have limited control of it and access to it. And if you sat there and see that, they, they talked about crashing the banks. And the bank's going, okay, we're going to get a run on the banks today. We don't have the money. We never have had the money. All right, let's get our, let's just lock the doors. You know, they, Do you, if you walked in to say, I got a million dollars in the account, and you got a piece of paper that says, I'm terminally ill. Mm-hmm. I got a month to live. And I want to take out my million dollars, and I'm going to go walking down the uh, the street going, woohoo, everybody's rich, <laughs> and throwing that money. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to do it. Or I, I call up my kids saying, family meeting. At I'm my, going to go uh, for a walk with you. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah. Or family meeting in my house, you know, and I sit there and I give each kid a bundle of cash. Sure. You know, and just say, how you do what you do with this money, I don't know. Don't care, but have a nice life. There was you a know? time when that, there was a time when you could do that. No questions asked because it was your money. But nowadays they want to control you. And how do they control you? They control you through your finances. You know, they can also penalize you if they have control of you digitally. Let's let's say, for example, uh, you do a podcast and it goes against uh, the narrative that they want presented. Well, I've never had that happen. No, I know. But let's say hypothetically you do. uh, They could technically turn off uh, your income or cut back on your income or cripple you in some way financially. If yeah. they have control of your, if they have control of your uh, digital finances, um, I saw in, in China right now, in China right now, they have a system set up where if you are a dissident, you can't travel. They what? showed this on TV. For example, let's say you live in Wuhan and you want to travel to to uh, Beijing, and you want to fly. If you are somebody who has said. Has, it has been reported by neighbors that you're saying bad things about the government. They put you on a list, and you are on a do-not-fly list or do-not-travel list. You are unable to fly to Beijing or take a train to Beijing. You're stuck. And it's instant. It's computers. They don't have to send someone to your house and put a, a, a label on your door saying you can't leave. No, no. They just do it electronically. You go to buy a ticket at the airport. Nope, you're banned from taking this uh, this trip. You go to so that also means that they can they can like in the movies they can turn off your credit card. Sure, they can. You've been a bad guy. You can't. No more credit for you. <laughs> no yeah. more soup for you. Uh. You're and done. And your money in bank. No more. No That's... more. You bad. Well, you go live in street. That's how it is in the world we're living in right now. That's happening right now in China. 
And don't laugh. It could happen here, too. It could happen here, especially if we continue with people like uh, the current people in power in Washington, in my opinion. China's, uh, you know, China's got control of uh, a lot of money here. Apparently, they're fortifying uh, their their grip in the uh, South China Sea. Mm -hmm. Well, what are they getting ready for? Hey, listen, you know, they would like nothing more. Do you know, I, I... I, Tucker sent out a questionnaire, and it was to all of the presi- presidential candidates or possible presidential candidates, whole list of stuff, and they asked about the Ukraine war. What are your thoughts on the Ukraine war? And guys like Ron DeSantis and and former President Trump, they are against the war. They believe in a peace resolution. Sit them down, negotiate a peace, stop the bloodshed, and don't get any uh, more committed in this situation than we are right now. Back away from right. this. Well, you got guys like uh, Lindsey Graham and uh, some others who were surprised. Uh, Chris Christie. Chris Christie wants us to be fighting on two fronts. He wants us to fight. He wants us to beat the Russians and the Chinese. I'm thinking, to myself, are these guys for real? You know, we took these guys seriously at one time. For the presidency, are these guys for real? Do you think that we can, right now, our power is watered down thanks to the Ukrainian war? Yeah. We've given tons and tons of equipment, so much so that now our stocks are damaged. You know, we our supplies are low because we've given rocket launchers and uh, rifles and grenades and all this stuff, and we're stuck right now. And uh, they would like to see us take on Russia and China. We would have a terrible time right now fighting. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we can argue whether we can afford to uh, build the military up or not afford. It depends on, you know, how this economy really works. But I can tell you what doesn't work is the simple fact that we do not have the manufacturing capabilities to replenish what we've given to the Ukraine. So we have left ourselves vulnerable. We we might have enough money to arm every country in the world and say, hey, it's a free-for-all Friday. Let's blow each other up. But we wouldn't have the, you know, we don't have the wherewithal to make the uh, the weapons, you know, for them to, to have that free-for-all Friday. We forget that we left $89 billion worth of equipment just a year and a half ago in Afghanistan. Now, we're not talking about $89 million, $89 billion worth of Black Hawk helicopters, uh, Abrams tanks, Jeeps, uh, thousands of rifles and rocket launchers. I mean, we've left everything that you can imagine to, to carry on a war and to protect a country. We left it for the Taliban. That was Joe mm-hmm. Biden's doing. Now we're stockpiling the people in, in uh in uh, the Ukraine, and I told you yesterday, they were finding some of our our weapons in, of all places, Iran. How yeah. did the stuff that we gave the Ukrainians end up in Iran? It's beyond me. Well, Iran now is becoming a mighty military force, and I think they're 95% uh, to the point of uh, being able to, you know, totally enrich uh, uranium to where oh my they God. are a nuclear force that at this juncture, I don't think we can stop. You know, they're within days. How would you like to be weeks. Israel? 
how would you like to be Israel right now? They well, I'd be pissed because, uh, you know, obviously we were buddies with them. We made ourselves buddies with them. No, Trump made us buddies with them. Let's be honest. Let's blame it on Trump, which I yeah, think right. was the right thing to do. But, you know, not everybody, you know, has the same feelings uh, that maybe I do. Or me. Or you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I even think that um, there, there, there's a little bit of, um, well, it's not a little bit. There's a, there's a big... Uh, there's a big Christian foundation that's Ju- going on Ju- there with. Well, there's a, you know, if you look at religion, Judeo-Christian, I yeah. mean, Christianity supposedly is founded on the foundation of Judaism. The Old yeah. Testament is Judaism. Yeah, you know, and, and you sit there and you go, "Well, God's chosen people." Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that all oh, they can do whatever they want willy-nilly. But that, you know, we are getting back to the basics uh, of what we're founded on. Yeah. Israel has been our strongest ally in the Middle East through through thick and thin, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Should Iran attack Israel? If Iran attacks Israel and we have Biden in power, I don't know what's going to happen. Speaking of things happening, Bill, I don't know whether you heard about this. We were attacked by thousands of illegals uh, in El Paso. Yeah, the border, yeah. Yeah, Paso del Norte Bridge. Thousands. We talked about this yesterday. First, the media tried to downplay it. A couple hundred oh, people. No, it's it was at least 2,000 people trying to get across the bridge. They had a heck of a time stopping it. Uh, they arrested, I believe, uh, 94, no, a, a bunch of people on the bridge. But listen to this. According to reports, the migrants are from Central America, South America, Africa, and India. Now, that means that Africa and India, they had to fly into one of the South American countries, probably Mexico, probably stayed a couple of nights in a hotel getting things ready, oh, and, yeah, and, then, and then headed north because they were migrants in trouble. I mean, just flying from Africa or India cost them a chunk of change, and, and they're coming across the border. They said that uh, mostly military-age single men were in the group. Uh, the migrants rushing the port of entry were mostly military-age males. <laughs> so, I mean, does it make sense that military-age males are rushing the border to get into this country? We've already got it, probably 100,000 yeah. of them, maybe more. Well, let you, me ask you this we're, question. Bill, we're, we, could, we could be importing an, uh, an enemy army across our well, southern border. Like, let me ask you a question. We've been doing this show for over a year now, right? right? It'll yep. be two years in December. Well, you know, we, because we, uh, we work together in other projects, so we've had these conversations before, which led to the podcast. Right. At least two years before. So let's just say we've been talking about what's going on for four years, mm-hmm. you know, and how long have we talked about, um, you know, this very subject? By four years. <laughs> <laughs> so that we, there, yeah, so four years, tens of thousand people mm-hmm. coming across the border. So we have not a platoon. We have. Battalion. Uh, you've got an army. you got because, an army, yeah. You know, in some nations, you got got 100,000 men. That's an army. But there's there could be, there could be a half million men 
waiting for the ready, for the command. All right. And when they do it, you know, they're going to come in and rape the women, beat the kids, or indoctrinate the kids. They're going to come in and blow up your store. They're going to sit there and steal everything that you got, kill the dads, kill the sons. One day you're going to hear about an attack on a military base, and you're going to hear about them attempting to steal weapon weapons, guns, tanks, things like that. I mean, these are the things that you're going to one day hear about. And it's because we've allowed these people into the country. This Zaldzor report yesterday, 94 illegal immigrants apprehended at the U.S.-Canada border yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're coming in from the north and the south. Why not? Why not? The they, they're coming in by boat into Florida. Hey, you know what? You know, you think about it, go back to Iran. They're, they're, they're 95% nuclear capable now. Mm-hmm. They're enriching uranium. So what's to stop uh, a place like that going, okay, we got people that are going in illegally. You know what? Why don't we put this plutonium into smaller sizes? Maybe it looks like a ball bearing for something. Mm-hmm. And sure. you basically, you know, you go across with ball bearings. You go across with this. You go across with that. In other words, and then somebody just sits there and, you know, puts together a a... In, not a suitcase. Well, it could be a suitcase. A dirty bomb. bomb. It's, but it's not dirty. It's enriched uranium, <laughs> and it's been processed. It's it's like a model version, but it's a working model. Hey, know? Bill, we talked about, we've talked about recently utility companies being attacked already. They don't know who's doing it. You know, the, the media says, oh, obviously uh, some right-wing group. No, 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 no. Do a little work. Uh, journalists out there, start really doing your homework. Some of these people, I'm sure, are not right-wing conspiracy people out tearing down. I, I think, like you just said, some of them could be paramilitary groups who've come in across the border, and they're going to do uh, some harm at some point in our country. They're going to they're going to wreak havoc, and we've allowed this if to you happen. Shut down our power grid, which is weak. It's old, dilapidated. We don't even know who owns it, you know. But anyway, you shut it down, we are going to be crippled for years. We'll half the population will die in the first probably ninety days. So we're in a bad situation. If we want to repair that grid, well, the country that happens to manufacture the parts or our grid, China, China, yeah. Well, listen. Um, we have spent $120 billion in the Ukraine. Can you imagine yeah. if we had taken that $120 billion and put it into our infrastructure, into our power grid, into our highways, uh, how much better off we would be right now? I mean, into our border. Why is it that we... It has never made sense to me how he could walk away from that wall which was almost finished. I'm talking about Biden. How he could actually take the spare parts, the parts that they would have used to finish the wall were sitting right there at the wall, and instead of finishing the wall, they packed them all up and moved them to the interior, moved them away from the wall. That was Biden's doing. Then we have this clown, this Mayorkas, who says this. Do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? 
Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. Right. The guy is a the guy is useless, useless. And you know, have you noticed that all of a sudden you don't see him anywhere? He, Mr. Low Profile. Yeah. He was in the beginning of the uh, his term of office. He was testifying here and there and speaking out and saying stupid things like you just heard. All you had to do is look at your television and see the people coming across in waves, and you knew that it wasn't secure, and yet he has the audacity, the gonads, the cojones, to stand up there in front of America and say, don't worry about it, the border is secure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they do this, it's an affront to the intelligence of the American people. I mean, you and I, Everybody who who thinks about what's happening in our country, these guys have the gonads. Biden has the gonads to say our economy is good. He has the gonads to say the border is secure. Don't worry about it. But he has the audacity yesterday to to, to stand up in front of the the uh, the world and say the the banking situation will be taken care of. Don't worry about it. It's not even coming out of your money. What a crock of crap that is. Pardon my. My uh, well, it, it vernacular, on, as the Stooges used to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's going. It's not even coming out of your money because it's really not your money. It's been yeah. our money all along. So we're going to do with it. What, what we they're please. saying is that the banks have been paying fees to the FDIC for just this type of situation. So the banks are paying for it. But wait a second. How do the mm-hmm. banks make their money? They make their money from. Investors and customers, that's you and me. The banks technically own nothing. I mean, if the customers leave, if the investors leave, the bank is left with empty stalls and no cash. Seriously. That's kind of like what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. You look at red states, blue states, all that neat stuff. You know, county lines eventually will disappear. State lines will disappear. That's what they want. Yeah, and the only lines that you're going to see is the outline of the United States, and they want it to be blue. Hey, we played a cut yesterday with uh, Robert Welch from the John Birch Society in 1958. In Mm -hmm. 1958, he was talking about state lines being obliterated, having about as much relevance as a county line. You know, county lines don't really mean much of anything. I mean, you don't really know whether you're in one county or the next when you're driving around. That's what's going to happen with it. When you think about it, we've let that happen because when we became a state, we had self-reliance, individuality. You have a county, you have a city. Sure. Self-reliance, individuality. What do we do with that? Nothing. Let's get on the federal teat. You know, well, you know, the government will supply the road system. Well, the government will supply all the utilities. Uh, We'll take care of everything for you. You know, even in the Civil War, communities become self-reliant. Even in the Civil War, the states had militias and armies. There was the, you know, the uh, New York uh, 69th. Uh, there was the fighting 69th in New York. There was the Ohio uh, Army. The, the there was the Illinois. There, all these different states had their own armies, which merged together to form the Union Army. But they were, you know, from Massachusetts and. All over the place. Pennsylvania had a bunch of units that were in the Civil War, and they had, like you said, their own individuality. They were made 
in the states by the states, and they were funded by the states for the most part. Exactly. They got together. So, they got together and became one. The problem is now we become reliant on that from the federal government, like you said. Yeah, because what what they've done is they introduced socialism, whether you realize it or not. You know what? We can make your life so much more easy because we can put road systems in, highways. You can get around easy. Government will take care of that for you. They didn't tell you how they were going to take care of it, but they took care of it. You know, and it was, it was just a carrot on a stick. You know, we'll, we'll do this, we'll do that. You know, why can't we sit there? Well, you, you know, know, Bill, and, and to be honest with you, this is all part of what the deep state wants. Mm-hmm. And people may say, what do you mean deep state? That's, that's conspiracy theory stuff. Yesterday, President Trump was speaking in Iowa, and he had this to say about the deep state. What's happening is very simple. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them. And I will totally obliterate the deep state. I will fire the unelected bureaucrats who have weaponized our justice system. Look at what they've done to our justice system, what they have done to our justice system. I will direct the Department of Justice to go after Marxist prosecutors' offices to make them pay for their illegal race-based enforcement of the law. Many racists are there. They had a ton of people, ton of people out in Iowa. People say, well, you know, he's, his popularity is waning. I uh, was watching a video uh, about uh, uh, this speech last night, and there were thousands of people waiting in line in the cold in Iowa to see President Trump speak. The guy still got it. Uh, We talked earlier on in the program about uh, the, the poor situation at Stanford University, one of our elite colleges, one of our elite universities, and how they've just fallen by the wayside. They've become... Uh, I would literally, if I had a son or daughter at Stanford, I would encourage them, not that I could require them, but I would encourage them to find another school so they can get an, edu- an education and not an indoctrination. But uh, anyway, he was talking about the Department of Education in his speech. Listen to what he had to say. going to pursue, and we studied it very closely, and I was getting ready to do it, pull the trigger. The long-term goal, but now it's a short-term goal of breaking up the Federal Department of Education and redistributing its functions to the states. Going to break it up soon. That'll be done quickly. I was ready to get it done. I was ready to get it done. Then we had a bad election. But this is what must be done to save our country from destruction, all of these things. And remember this one, having to do with education. Out of the top 40 countries, we're always at like the bottom of the list in terms of success per student. And yet, I believe it's about three times and even sometimes four times more than the second, third, and fourth country. So we spend three to four times more on educating a pupil, and yet we're at the bottom of the list. They're at the top of the list, and they spend much less money. So you know the system doesn't work. So breaking up the Department of Education is a very simple thing to do, okay? And 2024 is the final battle. That's it. 
got to tell you, uh, I happen to think that the educational system right now is in dire straits. And I'm married, I'm married to an educator. I have respect and, and even love for educators, okay? But yet, it isn't the same as it was when we were kids. No, it's not. But um... we have a uh, situation right now where our educational system has become, like I said a, a little while ago, an indoctrination camp. They're taught philosophies as opposed to history. I mean, if you look at what they've done to the course of history, when I was a kid, we studied about the American Revolution. We actually went as far back as the pilgrims coming across and what happened before the revolution, what the environment in the country was before the revolution, then the revolution and all that we went through during that period of time, and then the founding of our young country, the Battle of uh, the War of 1812, and then we went on to the Civil War. Even the Spanish-American War was thrown in there. We learned about these things in school. Then the Civil War was important, and then the Spanish-American War. Our World history War was, was important. Well, not anymore. Kids no. go into school. If I sit down with a young person right now and, and said to him, tell me a little bit something about the Mexican Wars. Uh, what, what, tell me a little bit about uh, the War of 1812. You've heard about that, right? You know they burned the White House down in the War of 1812. The British did, right? It was their second bite at the apple to take our country back, and fortunately, it didn't work out for them. But they gave it a good shot. Nobody talks about that. Nope. I mean, we live in we live right now in a world that is run by socialist educators. Well, you got to realize, though, you know, the, the educators that are there, they work for the government. You know, the government is the biggest employer in the United States. I mean, when you look at all the jobs that are basically governmental jobs, some 75% of jobs out there have to do with the government. If you're a teacher, you really work for the government. I don't know whether you heard um, President Trump's very last part of his comment, uh, but he said this. And 2024 is the final battle. That's it. 2024 mm -hmm. is the final battle. It's the final countdown. What he's saying is we don't have a, a lot of road ahead of us, folks. I mean, if you think we can just keep on going this way and go on this ride forever, uh, think again. Uh, we are running out of road, as they would say. Yeah. And basically what he's saying is if I don't get in there and do this, it's never going to get done. Because, number one, he's kind of like what William Shatner did the other day. You know, Shatner didn't sit there and say, mm -hmm. oh, I've got this or that, I'm going to die. He said, but it's inevitable at some point in time, you know, a person runs their course in life. Yeah. Well, Trump is realizing that, you know, he's still a viable guy and he can do what he needs to do and finish the job. Put him in there so he can do it. Because if you don't, then he's going to go away and just say, I tried. Uh, have a nice life. But, you know, a lot of people in Washington are going to do everything they can to stop him. I mean everything they can. I'm not talking about legally either. They're going to do everything well, they can to stop this guy because of comments like this. What's happening is very simple. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them. And I will totally obliterate the deep state. I will fire the unelected bureaucrats who have weaponized our justice system. 
Look at what they've done to our justice system. What they have done to our justice system. I will direct the Department of Justice to go after Marxist prosecutors' offices to make them pay for their illegal race-based enforcement of the law. Many racists are there. You know, a lot of people say, why didn't he do this in the first term? Why didn't he do this in the first term? And I'll tell you, if you look at how he was attacked in the first term, the guy didn't have time. Plus, he didn't know Washington. He didn't know who to trust in Washington. He he said he'd been there, I think, uh, 10 times in his whole life in into D.C. To give you a case in point of that, kind of a, it's like a little story, but it was in the news today of a town that goes, yeah, you know, we have these brown snakes that are very, very, very poisonous. You know, and, you know, they're little dens of the snakes, but no big deal. This kid was chasing a brown snake, and they thought, oh, we're going to find another, you know, 10 or so snakes. And no, this kid led him to a den where there were hundreds of snakes. Really? And they're going, we didn't know we had this kind of problem. Kind of the same thing here with, with Trump. When he got in there, he knew there were snakes. Yeah. He knew there was dens of them, but he didn't know to what extent they were there. He had one in his vice presidential position. We, yeah. had, we had one who had been recommended to him. I'm talking about Pence. Oh, yeah. He had been recommended to him as being honorable and a good Christian and a good man. And they handed him, by the way, Tucker handed him one of those questionnaires and, you know, his his answer to the Ukrainian war is to win it, further involvement. I mean, you look at this guy and you think, well, he's a good Christian. You think he'd be for peace. No, no. he was He's part of the deep state. But Trump didn't know that. But he does now. He knows who to trust and who not to trust now. And that's the key. And I well, think that's the difference. Yeah, I think he knows who to trust and who to trust now to an extent, you know, because I think that there's the, 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 the deep state is probably deeper than we can even fathom. So there's a lot of work ahead. But, you know, one of the things that was in mainstream news the other day is they were talking about all the attempts in Trump's life. It's getting to the point to where they can't ignore the fact that the left is out there trying to take this guy out. Absolutely. Absolutely trying to kill a guy. And yeah. you don't hear about it because the media doesn't want you to know. The media doesn't want you to know. We could go on and on. It's uh, actually the end of the end of the podcast. I just looked at the clock on the wall. I should remind people that they can contact us at our phone number, 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868. Mail at itsanotherday.com or mail at crnamerica.com. So no matter how, you can get in touch with this. If you so desire, and we hope so, and share uh, the podcast with friends too, because uh, that's one of the most important things you can do to you know help us grow. And we truly appreciate the fact that you have listened to our program. Well, our numbers have been fantastic, uh, but we'd like to see them grow even more because we're greedy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We would love to see them grow because it means that there are other like-minded people out there who are enjoying what we're doing and that it's not in vain. And so spread it around. Tell your friends that we're here every day, Monday through Friday. And most uh, weekends we'll put one together, too, just to give you an update so you're not totally left in the dark. Yeah, because a lot of things do happen on the weekends. Sometimes nothing happens. But then 
When it does, it's a doozy. And, you know, we had the banking thing that was bubbling over for the weekend. I don't know that this is over yet, friends. I mean, there's more to come. But, yeah. you know, you got the Hunter Biden story out there now. He's with his bank statements from, what is it, Bank of America? Now they're finding more avenues of concern. You know, that that's, that's a kettle that's getting ready to boil over. And you would have thought if it were you or I, Bill, we would have been in jail a year and a half ago. And no, guy- this is, the, you know, Hillary is, she's got an anointed name. You know, she gets away with everything. And you didn't realize, and I'm not saying that Hunter, I mean Hunter, uh, Joe and, and, and Hillary are close because they're not. But, you know, he's two they're different part, crime they're, families they're part in of the, the same the, White House. They're part of the same cabal. They're yeah. part of the same cabal. With that, my friend, we will uh, bid you adieu. You are going to get some interesting weather up there in the Northeast, so hunker down and uh, make sure you have a good shovel nearby because you may need it uh, in the Boston no, area. Actually, the, um, well, the one vehicle's in the back. The other vehicle's down in the garage. Excellent. You know, so, uh, and the, the plan is let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, because we ain't going nowhere. Life is good. Hey, buddy, have a great time up there, and we'll uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. Hey, you have a good one, and uh, good luck at uh, the doctor's appointment. I got to go. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll let you know the last time I went to the doctor here just uh, well, a month ago. I have to stop at the he bank. Said, I have to stop at the bank, too. Yeah, well, you got to pay the doctor. <laughs> no, yeah, I got to find. My doctor said, you know, I was, you know. I was perfectly fine for a man in my condition. I I took that as good news. (laughs) You should. Goodbye, Bill. See ya. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com, it has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million?